Welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. And now your host, Steve Hall. Welcome to the next episode of the Mustang Owners Podcast. Today we're joined by a gentleman, his name is Harry Phillips, um, has a rather interesting connection to the Mustang hobby history as such that uh, probably many of you are not familiar with. Uh, we were fortunate to be kind of put in contact with Mr. Phillips after our uh, Mustang Owners Museum's uh, email blast regarding 0001 that's on display at the Henry Ford Museum. We were contacted by a gentleman out of uh, Newfoundland, Canada, and, and mentioned and told us that Mr. Phillips was still, uh, he was the salesperson that actually sold the car to Mr. Stanley Tucker, the first, well, the owner of 0001. So wanted to reach out and chat with Mr. Phillips, because obviously that's a piece of history I'm not familiar with, and I'm sure many of the other listeners are not familiar with. So with that, I'd like to welcome Mr. Uh, Harry Phillips to, uh, to our podcast. So welcome. Thank you for joining us. Oh, you're welcome at any time. Well, we appreciate that. Uh, well, I, obviously, I've got a whole long list of questions that uh, I'd like to to get into. But before we do that, I think I'd like to learn, if you wouldn't mind, just tell us a little bit about yourself, because obviously you were working at the Ford dealership. Um, I'm kind of curious. So obviously you have a Ford connection of some sort uh, as a salesperson, but how long you were there or just things of your, that nature that kind of connected you to the to the cars. Yeah. Well, I joined uh, Ford in 1959 as a salesperson, and uh, uh, I was salesperson in, in 1964, of course, the Mustang came in, and we had just opened a, a big new dealership, it was a 50 indoor car, I think, and uh, but we, when the Mustang arrived, it was so much clamor about it and everything, we parked it outside, outdoors. We didn't leave it in the showroom. We parked it outdoors on a main, just a main street there, and our parking lot runs right along with it. So we parked it out there so people driving by could see it. And it was white, and it stood out. And uh, uh, everything was going good, and we, we got number one, I think, because we were the furthest away from the dealer. And uh, we, we started getting people, and uh, I was probably the lucky one that uh, that struck uh, the fellow that bought it, and uh, Mr. Tucker. And uh, it, it was probably the easiest sale I ever made, because Ali, he looked at it, and he sat in it, and... And he said, I want to buy it. And I said, well, that's fine. You know, we can we can probably sell it to you, but you can't take it yet because it's supposed to be here on display. Uh, it's the only one we have, and uh, we we can't really sell it until uh, I think it was the 17th of April. So he, that was probably a week before. But... Uh, he came in every day. We put it back in the showroom after him. And uh, he came in every day and looked at it and walked around it and, and made sure everything was all right. 
and uh, well, he gave, we gave it to him probably two days before it was supposed to. And he paid cash for it. And I think our price around at that particular time in 1964 was somewhere around $4,300, which was a big difference in American money. In, in the States, it probably would have cost a very less. But uh, he bought it. Now, he was from uh, Gander, Newfoundland, which is uh, a four-hour drive from the dealership. And he was in town, and, and he didn't want time to go back to Gander and waiting. You know, he was already there now, probably a week in St. John's. So uh, we decided we'd give it to him before that. So we ended up giving it to him. He paid cash for it, paid by check. And uh, actually, when he left, I never saw him after. <laughs> he took the car back to Gander and... And uh, as, as far as the serial number, now we, we we thought out of that, but we were not informed that it was the the first one that ever came off the assembly line. At that point in time, we never knew it. And word had it that Ford said not to sell it, but nobody at our place ever heard that. So whether Ford made a mistake on it or, or somebody in our place that didn't tell us, but... Uh, we never heard of it after, and about two or three months when Ford came back then looking for uh, Mr. Tucker to try to get the car back from him, and, uh, which they, they approached him several times, and uh, he wasn't going to give it up. He just, he just loved it. And uh, there's a question there about uh, convertibles here in Newfoundland, uh, and I can tell you, we... We have a lot of convertibles here, and actually there is more Mustang convertibles than any other convertible. And uh, uh, we, we, you know, they've been selling them and improving them and all that. And I myself, uh, in '65, was appointed used car manager, a position which I held and. Right up to 1982, and I had won many trips through Ford. Won a used car in the whole Ford landing provinces. I had a trip to Toronto and went to a hockey game there with Foster Hewitt, and I had another one where I was given a, a complete, uh, what we say, for for taking pictures and a screen to put them up on. It was a pretty big prize uh, for the salesman, used car manager of the Atlantic provinces. So I won some good awards and, uh, and many trips ahead. Uh, and we had many trips ourselves, me and my wife and children went to Florida. We were down there three times. And... and uh, 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 my impression of the Mustang uh, was fancy car, but it, it wasn't actually for me because at that time I was 30 years old and I had five children. We were married when I was 21, and we had five children, and we couldn't put five children in the Mustang. <laughs> but uh, we loved everyone loved the car. Uh, 
actually my my grandson now who's got a big job out in Alberta, Canada, he has a a, a fancy Mustang convertible, and uh, there's lots of lots of cars here. There's a question about the, the weather, but uh, our weather here is very good convertible weather, uh, probably from April to May up to October. And and as some people put them away and never use them, uh, there's a, a Mustang club here. And uh, they were the ones that started to cook to get to get me up to Detroit to see the car. And they 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 got the city going. They had Mustang car shows in various places. And they said on it in the papers and everything, send Harry to Henry. That was the way they were going to raise the money to send me. And my granddaughter was the one that really got this St. Harry to Henry bit on the go. She had a lot to do with getting me up there. And uh, my daughter came with me back two years ago, actually two years ago today. And uh, we did a tour of the factory. And uh, when I got there, in the Ford Museum in Detroit, the uh, first thing I thought was, well, this place is filled with cars, but cars was the least thing in there. Uh, I just couldn't believe it with all the stuff that was there, and uh, there's two planes there, and it was, uh, uh, oh, my God, uh, it was uh, the chair that, that, that's his name, got shot in back in years before. And uh, right now we got to get my, my glasses, huh? Mm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, um, I was with the, the dealership. The dealership uh, went bankrupt in '76, and mainly because it had taken on uh, an industrial division, which meant selling marine engines and marine parts and sending people, salespeople, and people installing engines in boats all around the island. And that uh, that brought them down, and eventually uh, the firm went bankrupt. And a uh, uh, chap, Mr. Ian McKenzie, took over the reins in 76. And uh, we carried on with it. Uh, going good and uh, uh, he he probably uh, went too far with a lot of stuff he uh, he was doing things probably that he shouldn't have been doing and they selling cars sending serial numbers away that weren't sold and they had to reach a quota or something and back in they've been back around 80 in the 80s uh, he uh, he lost the dealership, and they sent in. There was two people came in and wanted to look after it, and and uh, they weren't very good either. They they uh, stopped uh, like they, somebody bought a pickup, and then they they go outside and box cover from some dealer. But they never ever paid for the box cover. They got paid for it because the person buying it got it. 
And they did a lot of things. They ran it right into the ground. And uh, anyway, they opened the fort, had a, a new place open in 1990. And uh, we we all got our jobs. And, and the man that owned it was a real nice man, probably too nice. And uh, we made good money at that Back in that time in '95, my salary starting off living was over uh, fifty thousand dollars a year, and uh, which was good money 25 years ago. And to say to say it was general manager, uh, he probably made eighty or ninety, and the parts manager and the body shop manager, they all made big money. So it went on for five years. And in the meantime, in the fifth year, Ford sent somebody down to see how it was wrong. And uh, he stayed there. He was there probably three or four months. And all of a sudden, one day, he called in the body shop manager, the parts manager, me as the new used car manager, and the generous sales manager and laid every one of us off. And uh, we ended with a car for six months, and I think it was around $25,000 in cash. So uh, I never went back after that. That was in 1995. So uh, other than that, no... Uh, yeah. Well, let let me jump in and ask you. Let me ask you a couple a couple of questions, if I may, then, because uh, we sure. appreciate we appreciate all this information because this is all new new to um, I'm sure most of our listeners uh, when they hear this. So, which is which is awesome. But uh, I want to go back to when you did the trip to the Henry Ford uh, Museum. Um, I personally was just up there this past August and had a chance to walk around. And like you said, it's it's they've done a complete revision to it and it looks gorgeous. Probably these are changed changes that happened after you saw, uh, I'm not sure, how, how, what year or how long ago were you at the Henry Ford Museum? Two years ago now, right today. Oh, two years ago today? Yeah. Wow, that's karma <laughs> to be on the phone with us. That's that's amazing. But uh, one yeah. thing I, I was very curious about, and and someone did forward me the article that was in the Detroit paper, and I think there was a picture with you with the car, of course. Um, obviously, it might be kind of interesting just to hear a little bit when you saw the car again. Uh, was there any action, reaction, or thoughts that you had at the moment when you saw the car in the Henry Ford Museum? Oh, yeah. yeah, it was just fantastic. Fantastic, and uh, nobody was allowed in it. And, uh, but anyway, uh, the chapter I forget his name now was a really nice person brought us around, and he uh, he wiped off the, the things his chain before ever anything, and he walked in and wiped off the door the door handle, and he opened the door and I got in it, and uh, there was a lot of people around uh, taking pictures and. The newspaper people and my own two people that came with me, and I also I also had a cousin, my wife's cousin from Minnesota. Uh, him and his girlfriend. He was sixty, I believe, at the time. Him and his girlfriend drove up from Minnesota to be with us 
and stayed at the hotel with us, and they came with four generously allowed them to be with us all the time. And uh, we we really had a great, great time, and the, the stuff there with Abe Lincoln's chair and the, the car that uh, was name got shot in uh, years before, president, and it was just unreal. And then they took us out to the village that they had there, and and that was fantastic. The stuff that Henry Ford did, and he he, he bought places and had them torn down, and, and and brought in there and reassembled and houses and churches. And uh, there was one house I think his wife liked in England, and he had that disassembled over in London and sent in and done and put up in this place. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, the park where the park just joined onto the sound part of the trip, really. Right. I know that that's, that's every. Well, no, I was just going to mention that was obviously part of Greenfield Village. I wanted to ask you. Greenfield Village. Yeah, that, all right. that, that but, was fantastic. But I was going to ask you, though, uh, now they don't do it recently because of COVID, but in the past, and you've seen you were there two years ago, they may have maybe, I'm not sure your time frame, but did they give you the tour in a Model T? Were you yes. There? Oh, and that, yeah, and that, it, it, oh, it was a Model A. Oh, it was a Model A. Isn't that great? That's a, that's a fun way to take a oh. tour. Yeah, we went right through that, right through the village, and and it was just, it's just unbelievable that this stuff could have been done. You know, uh, he, he, I got to say, Henry Ward was, he had me something else. I got a big book they gave me, and, and it's, uh, oh, after reading it right through, it's fantastic. All the stuff that he did, and uh, he, he was just unbelievable. Unbelievable, and that village was really impressive, really impressive. And I kept telling everybody when we came back, uh, you know, anybody wanted to go on a trip, I'd go there. <laughs> oh, I hear you. It was fantastic. I hear you. Now, you mentioned earlier that you also took a tour at the assembly plant. Did you do the, yes, yeah. was, was it the truck plant or the Mustang plant that you took the tour? Well, it was the truck plant, but they tell me it was the Mustang plant before the truck. Correct. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they, uh, that was fascinating, and they had a couple of movies on it before we actually got there to the plant. And they were fantastic, to, you know, to see back in 1910, cars coming off an assembly line, uh, you know, old Model T's and that, and they're coming off every... Uh, I think it was 60 seconds the fella had to, to do his job. That, uh, it depended on how many people it took to, to do a job as in 60 seconds. If it took three people to do a job, they had three people on the car or truck. Now, there was all trucks when we were there, Ford F-150s. And just to see them in a line, got probably a couple of hundred cars in there. Put new car every 60 seconds is just fantastic. No, it's an amazing process, yeah. especially when you see the robotics that know, for example, yes. this, this gets a glass hood, this one gets this, this one gets this. I mean, they're they're all all programmed, of course. But uh, I want to go back. You mentioned a minute ago about the two movies. 
Um, we had a group of about 50 people that took the tour uh, again this past August. And I know that when uh, we got done with that second video, the second movie, that's the one that had the robotics, if you remember, and had the arms and the yeah. car. Uh, their comment was, is, where's the dealership? I want to go buy a truck now. Uh, it was just such a good piece and so fun, fun to watch. It was a great way. To, uh, it was a great commercial, as it were. But it was, yeah. as you say, to, to be able to walk around and see the different sections whether you know they're doing door panels, they're doing the tail lights, they're doing the windshields. Uh, we only yeah, see, we yeah. only see a, a portion of it, but you're right. I mean, the 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 whole the whole process is it's, it's amazing. It, it, it's just amazing, you know. You, it, it, when you're you're not into seeing any of that stuff being made, and all of a sudden here you are, and and here's a car coming down the line, and oh my God, you know, it's moving, and everybody is. Whatever many it takes to do a, a job, and that's how many were there in 60 seconds. And no, it's, de it's definitely, it's definitely, it's definitely synchronized working, as it were, where everybody's in sync with everybody. Yeah. They know exactly when and where they're yeah. going to be doing, where every person is, and such. Mm -hmm. um, one quick, couple quick questions though. Going back to zero uh, zero one. Um, did you know that when the when they? Well, I was curious. Let me put it this way. Did the dealership and yourself find out that they finally uh, talked Mr. Tucker into exchanging or trading cars with him? Were you aware of that um, or that process? No, it, it took him two years, I think, to get him. Right, right. For him to get it back, and he evidently got one that, that was loaded up. I don't know if he had to pay the difference in them no. or if they just gave it to him. I, I would think they just gave it to him. My, my understanding, no, I think you're correct. My understanding is that it was a flat-out trade, and they gave him a sheet with all the options that he could pick. And he took a pen, yeah. and he made a big X, and he goes, I want everything. And so he got everything. Uh, but he, he also had, everything. Yes, but he also had one other re request or requirement to make the trade, which I thought was rather interesting. He insisted that the front license plate, which is from Newfoundland, had to stay with the car on display. They couldn't take that plate off. I think he felt it was important to know that it came from Canada, it came from Newfoundland. So that was his way of keeping that connection um, with yeah. that Mustang to to uh, to his area and to your area. Such. So I thought that was rather interesting. But have you by chance, and I'm asking because you because many people are curious, do you ever did you ever hear whatever happened to the because he got the one millionth Mustang built, he, so yeah, he had yeah. had a special car in that regard. But did you ever find or hear where that car went after his? Never heard, never heard a thing about it. No. Well, I don't know. Never heard one thing about that million car. Well, that that I would. I don't know how long he had it or what uh, happened to it. Or, we we just it was just a mystery. Nobody nobody around here at the dealership knew. We we never saw it. It wasn't presented here. I think he went up. I don't know. He went to Detroit or New York and got the new one. Oh, uh, okay. I was curious to that. I'm Great. not sure. Well, obviously, there's a big treasure hunt then in Canada to find that car. <laughs> it, would be, it would be neat to find, obviously. So, uh, obviously, it's a piece of history that I know. And I, and I know there are collectors who collect that, the, like the one millionth car or the one millionth Ford or the ten millionth Ford as such. Yeah, so, there are yeah. those collectors who like to have those kind of collectible cars by the number yeah. as such. And so, that's that's incredible. Now, I'm, I, I, did not, I don't know if you know this, but I understand that 0002, which was a 
a Mustang Coupe was actually sent to a dealership in the Yukon Territory in Canada. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Now, I further understand that it took them about 18 months to sell the car because in the Yukon Territory, must, uh, cars aren't really normal up there. A normal way of transportation is usually trucks. And so they had, yeah. a, they had a tough time trying to just sell that nice little uh, sporty coupe in, in Canada because I'm sure the weather there is considerably different than yours. Oh, well, oh, yes, there. That, that's, that's cold a lot of times there. <laughs> Our weather is, is very good here. We got, well, even today now is about 65 degrees. It's not bad, you know, you know, it's not really convertible time, but there's more <clears throat> there's more Ford convertibles here than any, any other convertible, I tell you that. Uh, and uh, we have, in, in the St. John's area, within a, well, probably a 10-mile radius of just outside the city, there's probably 250,000, 300,000 people. And uh, we do have our share of convertibles, and like I say, there, there's more Ford convertibles and the Ford Group, they have a Mustang Club, and uh, that's been on the go for years. And they do things; they they they, uh, they raise money for events, and they have uh, shows in different places, Mustang shows, and, and uh, they're they're really good. They're a good organization, and it. it slowed a bit this year or last year with the pandemic it sort of stopped everything and uh, we're lucky down here with the pandemic we basically had nothing and all of a sudden now it's after picking up again in in places not near St. John's and we're lucky here but the other parts of the island you know 400 miles away from us are starting to come back and uh, uh, there's people coming in, uh, and I don't know what you, how they're getting by, but they're coming in, and and, and uh, there's schools out there now where they had to close, and but it's not bad, you know. We're we're better off than the rest of Canada, I'm sure. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. Hopefully that this pan, yeah, hopefully this pandemic will be a thing of the past in the very yes, very near yeah. future, as such. And, and so went and got vaccinated like they should have. It would have been over now. So, I, I don't really understand why persons don't get vaccinated. I understand. I, I understand. I understand. Let me just ask another couple of quick questions, kind of in general, about the Mustang hobby. You you've mentioned about the club, and I know the club was very active, and they were a big part of why you were able to go to the Henry Ford. But yeah. in the, at the dealership when you were there as a, as a sales manager, uh, was I was I I'm asking. I have to assume. It, well, what was more popular, trucks, must uh, Ford trucks or Mustangs? Well, Ford trucks. Okay, yeah. that's that's that's, that's yeah, we a lot of trucks down here. Yes. A lot of trucks. Oh no, and they and they do that here in the states too. They do sell a lot of trucks, yeah. but you know, you're just kind of curious. Yeah. But uh, would you say then that Mustang would probably be your number two vehicle in sales? Um, uh, well, no, I, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's number two. No, no. Okay. No. Well, then. There's an awful lot of uh, SUVs on the go now. Everything now seems to be an SUV. Okay. Uh, all the all the different dealers are after making cars that they all look like an SUV. And very soon, there's not even going to be a regular car. That means just 
Now, you're absolutely right. The the automotive industry has been changing uh, slowly in the past 20 years to our last five years. It seems to be an accelerated pace, yeah. and that a lot of things are changing. Of course, now you're talking hybrids, electrics. Uh, they're going to eventually look at even autonomous driving, and so pretty soon you just sit in the car and it takes you where you want to go, uh, type of yeah, thing. So things things are certainly have changed. But anyway, I wanted to wrap See, it up. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I'm not saying there's something uh, you desire. You, you know, the person buying a Mustang, he wants that type of car. That's the type of car. Now, like I say, for me, when it came in, I had five children, so Mustang wasn't any good to me. But <laughs> the, most of you to find the, the, the sporty group, and, the, you know, it's a fancy car, and, and, and being able to hold up is, you know, head right up into now and still getting big sales. It's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's sure if we're going to be there forever, but we're other cars, a lot of other cars are changing. But right. the Mustang won't change very much. No, I hear you. Now, I do I do need to ask you, um, the people that put me in touch with you, it put me in touch with you, and I really appreciate their help. Um, but I also understand you have, uh, I'm just kind of curious, uh, you have a nickname, it's Herc. And if right. you don't yeah. ask, if you don't mind my asking, I was I was curious um, how not you know not a common nickname as such, but what uh, how that name come about? Uh, you know, there's another thing. Uh, when, before I was born, my parents were separated, and uh, my I have one brother I had. He died a couple of years ago, mm. and I had to go live with my, my grandparents. And uh, uh, there was, uh, there was uh, I don't know, it was a comic thing or something, and uh, in, uh, funny things or, or what, but all of a sudden uh, they started calling me Herc, or Herky, I think, might have been in a, in a comic thing years back, and a, a lot of years, well, which is after I was born, I guess. And, and, uh, uh, Another odd thing that we had, I lived with my grandparents, and they had they had grown children, and uh, my mother was there, and, and our two sisters and two brothers, and, and they all called my mother Jess. Her name was Jess, Jessie. And me and my brother called her my mother. I always called my mother Jess. <laughs> it's just something that... You're in a house where everybody's calling her, you know, you know, my mother, Jess, and right. we always called her Jess. And uh, unfortunately, she died at a young age, of 58. But, um, I'm sorry to hear that, but uh, I do, yeah. I do want to, uh, I really do want to thank you for your time. I mean, this has been very educational. I think our listeners will have a great time. Um, once we do have the podcast set and it's been posted, I'll get a hold of. Uh, the guys that, uh, or David, that uh, put us in touch with you and kind of let him know so that he might be able to hook it up so you can hear it. Again, thank you very much. We appreciate you spending some time. And uh, you take care of yourself so we can talk talk again, okay? Yes, okay. And thanks for coming. I certainly appreciate it. All right. Thank you.